0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast.
1: The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate online resource for racing fans. Welcome along to a bonus edition of the Final Furlong Podcast, where we are talking all things Grand National. I'm Emmerich Kennedy. We've already done this on the main show with Kate Tracy and Jess Stafford, but the king of the handicaps at the races, Final Furlong Podcast legend, Mr. Rory Delarghi is alongside me. Rory, how are you, my friend?
0: i'm very well emmett thank you very
1: much you weren't in attendance at the gravy train luncheon i believe did you happen to see the interview with nikki henderson
0: i i've 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 seen it flagged up i haven't actually listened to it i i saw a tremendous interview with willie mullins though
1: (laughs) yes yes uh willie willie was very good um it was jess stafford on the podcast to mention the the Nicky interview interesting interesting indeed uh but the most interesting talking point of course is Tiger Roll here we go again um on attheraces.com there is a headline that says Tiger Roll only 50-50 to go for third Grand National Eddie O'Leary was kind enough to join Sean Boyce and Sky Sports Racing a little bit earlier on today as I say today it's Tuesday the 11th of February approaching 9 p.m as we record and um The two boys had uh, a conversation about the historic Grand National winners, prospects, the compressed handicap, and Eddie basically not being happy with the entire situation. However, Rory, you yourself have identified some inaccuracies with what Eddie has said and uh, take issue with some of the stuff that he has said as well.
0: Well, I'd I'd like... I'd like um, questions to be to be put to Eddie specifically about, you know, who he feels badly treated next to. He, he's cited horses in the past who've been 10 and 12 pounds well in um, with, with their weight compressed. I do not recall in my lifetime a horse who's been that well off um, at the weight. You've got scenarios where um, uh, horses who your previous gold cup horses who could been enticed to run in the race um on the basis that their standout rating comes uh, from different seasons or on different tracks uh and that kind of thing so you had um bristol DeMay, i suppose was reasonably well in um last year but didn't run um and the idea was it'd be great to have a watch like him in the in the national um and his rating outside of Haydock would be different to his rating overall, because his handicap mark reflects his um, his Betfair chase runs. Um, and you can see why a handicapper with total discretion um, might frame that differently. But I don't recall um, horses being 10 and 12 pounds uh, well in on that basis. Uh, not that I've, I've been keeping a, a specific track, but I wonder whether some of the horses that Eddie O'Leary is, is mentioning here are horses who ended up being well in um, because they improved after the weights came out. So horses like synchronized, he won the Gold Cup. And then we, we know what happened in the National was synchronized, sadly, but, is you know, he's been well ahead of his mark. And, and historically, there have been horses like that who've gone into, into the National um, on the back of wins at the Cheltenham Festival, whether they be handicap wins or whether they be, uh, you know, uh, big efforts in the Gold Cup. Um, uh, Rough Quest being an obvious example of one who's won, he've, he finished second in the Gold Cup. Uh, and then would have been thrown in off tennis stone something in the Grand National, uh, and Judy got the job done. Um, And I wonder whether one or two of the uh, the horses that Eddie O'Leary is is referencing here, because he didn't mention any horses' names, are horses like like synchronised. But being well in after the weights have been published is a completely different thing from compressing the weights. So I think there's... I think you're duty bound to ask those questions. It may well be that he's done a hell of a lot of research and has dug out horses that I'm not aware of. Um, but obviously, you know, when you're, when you're a handicapper who's given discretion to frame a single race, then there will be scenarios where you look at horses with standout ratings that maybe don't do them justice um, that you'd want to, to amend specifically for the national. And um, similarly, you know, the horses who, who you want to give more weight to who've shown their ability to, to perform well um around the entry and I'm not sure I mean, if I had a criticism I would argue that maybe horses who are proven over the national fences proven say in races like the Beecher Chase or indeed having been placed in the national before should almost be guaranteed a run we've seen horses um w- with obvious chances the national actually miss the cut um in recent years uh, we've seen grand national winners miss the cut Pino ray missed the cut didn't he yeah that's right um and um uh walk in the mill uh or pretty much missed the cuts two years ago. Um, ended up being a being the um, the last reserve or the second last reserve, and, and got in on the day, but then was trying to be lame in the morning of the race, that couldn't take his place. Uh, before being placed last year, so there are anomalies like that. But I'm you know the, the, this ten pound and twelve pound compression is something I've not I've not um, seen unless we're going back a long time and you're looking at Grand National specific um, weights that I've not looked at. Um, and the other thing uh, that's worth bearing in mind, um, Eddie was, was unhappy that Native River had his, his mark compressed by, again, that's the wrong term. The, the, the handicap is what's compressed, not individual handicap marks. Uh, Native River is racing off a £2 lower mark than his official racing. Um, and Tiger Roll is racing off a £1 lower mark, but he's actually £2 lower. Um, than his mark for winning this race last year. So he was, he was handicapped, he was given a mark of 172 on the Anglo Irish ratings, so he hasn't run since. So um, Martin Greenwood has effectively dropped him £2 for this race, but I think part of that was actually dropping the, the whole Grand National a pound last year. So uh, Magic of Light is, is a pound um, lower. In respect of that race as well so anything that anything that gets a mark from that race is a pound lower including um tiger rule but to take offense at the fact that he's worse treated than native river on that uh, on that basis is stretching things a little bit um in a manner of speaking it would have been easier for um uh, mr greenwood not to have adjusted the grand national last year by a pound and actually just Made a show of of dropping Tiger roll two pounds, but the fact that he did shows that he is actually willing to um, uh, You know to reframe the race according to future results as well um, Tiger roll was rated 159 when he won the Grand National last year uh, But ironically if Eddie O'Leary is siding horses who were well in in the Grand National Tiger roll is one of them Because he was eight pounds well in last year He got his rating before the Cheltenham Festival last year, he then ran away with a cross-country chase. Um, And of course he wasn't, you know, he'd also won the Boyne Hurdle. And, you know, part of the argument about Tiger Rule is he's raced close to these Gold Cup horses, but everyone knows he couldn't possibly get close to, you know, Album, Photo or Kemboy. And yet he was beating some of the best hurdlers around last season,
1: Mm.
0: you know, when he's he's meant to be a Grand National slash cross-country specialist. But the bottom line is that he just got better last spring for whatever reason. He's been tremendously well campaigned by Gordon Elliott, um, given that he's been on the go uh, since the summer of his juvenile season uh, when he made his, had his only start um, over hurdles at market racing for Nigel Hawk uh, before being sold to Jiggins Town. You know, horses who, who are on the go for that length of time tend to go a little bit You know, they go a bit over the top, they go sour, they go flat, whatever you want to call it, by the time they're his age. And Gordon's done a really good job of making sure that everything he's done has been varied enough and interesting enough that when it looked like he might be losing his enthusiasm, his trainers managed to get it straight back again. Um, The cross-country was a big big bonus as far as that goes. Gordon, of course, um, uh, warmed up uh, for his first Grand National um, by... uh, uh, by running him in the in the cross country, and he discovered fairly early on that that was the kind of pursuit that would just give a little bit of spark to older horses. You know, if you could if you could get them in the mood for that, then the national was a a natural a natural step forward as well. And going into the Grand National with your confidence on a high is is really important. Silver Birch did that. Uh, Tiger Rules done it as well, um, and he deserves a huge amount of credit for that. But in terms of of his rating for this race, there really isn't that much controversy, is there? Well, I don't think um, so. And look, we've been talking about Tiger Roll since nineteen dickety do. Yeah, he's he's essentially he's he's on a three pound higher mark than for his penultimate win.
1: But but if you, you know, think that's, about that's, that's like,
0: very fair handicapping.
1: If you think about just the genius of Gordon Elliott as a trainer, like he he gets hold of him from um, was it Nigel Hawke? You were saying had him initially, oh, right, yeah. and uh, he finishes placed in the spring juvenile hurdle. He wins the triumph hurdle. You put him up for the champion hurdle on the podcast. Let's not talk about that too much. But he, you know, I remember Final Farland podcast listeners tweeting us saying, oh, finally, he's done it. And that was when he won the Kerry National. Yeah. Then he goes and wins the four-miler at Cheltenham and uh, back-to-back renewals of the cross-country chase. Like, he is legitimately a legend. That's not even including...
0: His Grand National yeah, successes. even, even and, without as the thing, without his national successes, he's an amazing story.
1: It, it, phenomenal. And yet here and, he and, is.
0: Here he is, potentially the first horse in the history of the race um, to win it three times on, on, in a row. and yeah. As we're saying, he's he's literally three pounds higher in the weights than um, from what he was reassessed on after winning the cross country. But, so there's no there's there's no issue with with his weight at all, um and no one complained. I mean, eleven ten again is not is not a stopping weight. Um, connections will admit they knew he was going to get eleven ten. It was just a case of how how close others were going to be to him in the handicap. What, and yes, you could you could argue the native river should be on the same sort of mark and bristol to may should be on the same mark. Um, but they're all close enough, and you don't not run in the national because you think one horse on eleven stone something is too close to you in the weights. What.
1: Like th- talking about the genius of Gordon Elias and what he's done with this horse and, and how he's kept him fresh, and there'll be more on that a little bit later, but Gordon himself said today a blind man would know the Tiger Roll was going to have 10 stone 11, which means well, that husband. Connections always knew that this was going to be the case. Um, you made the point that in, in his interview with Sean Boyce and Sky Sports Racing, which has been transcri- transcribed into an article for AtTheRaces.com, um, which I strongly recommend. It, like, I could play the audio, and I said this in the podcast with Kate and with Jess, that I could play the audio of Boise's interview on Sky Sports Racing. But I would much prefer it if you go and, and watch it. It's available on AtTheRaces.com because it's an excellent interview. And Boise Challenges... Uh, eddie o'leary on more than one occasion and it's, it's well worth watching so instead of just taking the audio for ourselves and playing it here go to attheraces.com's twitter um and, and check it out it's, it's well worth watching but he, in his the process of the conversation he says weight's a massive factor we've said the whole way through that the horse is on a very unfair rating he was raised 12 pounds last year for winning a cross-country race he was rated the far superior horse in the cross-country race. So why is a 12-pound rise in the weights? It was a reaction to the way he won the point hurdle. Well, the point that you make, Rory, is that the weights are already out, so he can't go up. Secondly, if you look at Tiger Roll's record, and he does make the point that the last time he ran in, in a regular class, an open class uh, national hunt chase, he ran off a mark of 151. He was pulled up. That was behind Alpha de Sovo, who's now a stable companion at the time. He was with Mouse Morris. Since then, he's won the cross-country chase by two lengths. He's had that epic finish with Pleasant Company where he's just about come out out on top and won the Grand National. He's had uh, basically a comeback under Keith O'Donoghue behind Josie's orders, hashtag wait no object. He's won the Boyne Hurdle as a 25-to-1 shot by four lengths. He's won the cross-country by 22 lengths and he's won the Grand National by two and three quarter lengths from Magic of Light, who has done nothing but frank the form of the race this season. How can you possibly compl- complain that your horse is top weight in an 11 stone 10?
0: Well, fairly well summed up. You know, this, the, the idea that he shouldn't have gone up um, 12 pounds, not that it actually it wasn't, it, uh, was it one five, eight pounds. He was raised eight pounds for winning the um, the cross country one by twenty two lengths. Uh, it's it's difficult to argue you should be going up a pound or two for winning a race, any race at the Cheltenham Festival. I'll grant you the cross country might be in handicapping terms potentially the weakest, but it's getting stronger because people like Gordon Elliott are running really good horses in it, um, and it's a cracker this time around. So yeah, that was he was rated one five nine for that. Um, you, you know, there's no, sorry, I mean, obviously that, that's a, we should point this out, not a, not a handicap the cross country. So he was, he would have been top rated in the race anyway, but he's won it by 22 lengths. Um, and you know, there are decent horses in that race. They didn't all run to form, it has to be said, but there was enough in that to suggest it was a career best performance. Uh, and if you watched it, I've never seen a race at Cheltenham that's been over for so long. Imagine having to watch a race for, for a full five minutes knowing the result. That's, what it, that's exactly what it was like. You knew the result for at least five minutes of that race. Yeah. Because I, you, did, you, you didn't see him. I know he's, he's, he's maybe not the, um, uh, uh, the greatest of jumpers, all things considered, but he's, he's pretty, he's very, very clever in actual fight. You didn't see him um, falling in that race at all. And there was just no contest. So to argue that that was, ah, he didn't need to improve to win that, he didn't. But the way he went through it, it suggested a horse who was at the very top of his form and absolutely loving it as well. And and if you look at the comments people made at the time, there were a lot of people who watched that and said, they found him in the wrong race. This should have been in the Gold Cup.
1: Yeah, there were. We
0: talked about that um, on the and, and that may well. or may not be true, and there's no point really getting into it because it's difficult to know what he can do over fences. <laughs> Uh, and you, you, you can have a very annoying argument because if you look at his form over regulation fences recently, there's nothing close to that. But he's doing it in three different spheres. He's doing it over hurdles, he's doing it over cross-country fences, he's doing it over the national fences. So to argue that if you ran him in an ordinary chase, he'd just be a, a class four horse now is, is just bonkers. Um, he clearly deserves his rating. Um, and if you know if, if it is harsh on him... It's harsh by a pound, and I think it's a much stronger argument for others who are lower in the weights to say that he should be higher having won this race well last year. And as Gordon, Gordon points out, um, he beat Magic of Light. He's, he's only £4 worse off with her for the beating he gave her last year, and that is, that's essentially what you're looking at because you're not looking at one, at one horse. When this whole thing was was put up by um, Michael O'Leary earlier in the year about he might not run if they give him the wrong weight, it's not about one horse. And everyone said that the Nationals is a bigger race than just one horse. Uh, and that's talking about the heritage of the Grand National. But let's talk about that in a more mundane way. The Nationals are about 40 horses who get in the race on the day. And all of them have to get a fair crack of the whip. So putting... Michael O'Leary wanted Magic of Light to give, to be giving weight, and not giving weight away, but to be worse off at the weights for getting beat last year, essentially. Yep. And you can't have that. He's he's beaten her by, you know, by almost three lengths, very comfortably. He was off the bridle for the first time about hundred and fifty yards from home, and that was just to wake him up to get the job done. Aside from that, he looked um, much better than his opposition. It was remarkable how well he travelled through that race. And the idea that he shouldn't be £4 worse off at Magic of Light is just impossible to, um, uh, to argue to anyone. But are they also not contradicting themselves
1: by the team as a whole issuing the statement that the Grand National will not be the only race that will enter him at entry. He'll also be given an entry in the Grade 1 Betway Bowl. <laughs> And that's Eddie O'Leary saying that. Now, bear in mind that Kemboy, who favourite for the Gold Cup, won the Savills chase last season, won this race, and then went on to go and win the Punchestown Gold Cup. That's the opposition that you're talking about taking on. Yes, you could
0: argue that if they're they're planning to run him in a grade one instead, um, then then they must believe he's a grade one horse. And if he is a grade one horse on a park course, why are they complaining about his handicap mark on the national when he's proven himself a national specialist? But you and I, and...
1: Everyone who is listening to the Final Front podcast now, right now, know for 100% there's not a hope in hell that he's going to go. He's for, not going to be running the, in the bowl, no. bowl. There's not a hope in hell that the Betway Bowl is, is where Tiger Roll is going to go. But it, it is just contradicting every single thing that they're saying. And also, the weights are out now. So, okay, if you want to make your point beforehand and try and apply pressure on the handicapper. That's one thing. But now the weights have been announced. You've publicly stated with Sean Boyce on Sky Sports Racing that you have no problem with the fact that he's on the same mark as the Irish Gold Cup winner Work, who's an unlikely runner. But you've said that. You've now stated that you possibly will go for the Betway Bowl which we know
0: he's no chance of, of running in. They're never going to do that. It's a pity there isn't a selling hurdle on the card as the entry, because then, then they could really make a point and go, well, we'll stick him in the cellar, because that's all he's good for. But why are, they,
1: why, why are we still having this conversation? Why is... Are, well, that's the thing. The, you know, okay, the, like, it,
0: the weights are out. It's done. It's, it's, up to, it's up to us whether we have the conversation, really, isn't
1: it? But we, but we have to. It's everywhere. Like, that's, yeah. that's the point, is that it's all over the place. And, and look, Martin Greenwood, and I, I said this to you last year, tell me the name of the BHA handicapper because I couldn't think of it because I I always thought that the, the grand national Claude Duval gravy day lunch was all about Phil Smith. And I I think that Phil Smith did a a lot of good things for the BHA, but I, I think he did a little bit like premier league referees liked to do a lot of things to get attention for himself. Martin Greenwood doesn't do that. Uh, you rarely hear from him. And, um, I didn't even know what the guy looked like until there was a picture of him put up today in one of the publications. But he was asked about all of this. And, you know, these are, for now, before they leave the game, and I really hope that they have a, an about turn and decide to stay. But he was asked about the pressure that was being applied to him, and he said, look, it's it's irrespective of whether you're handicapping a race at Sedgefield or at Aintree, you cannot take any notice of outside outside noise. You just have to have your head down and concentrate on the evidence in front of you. Other people's opinions do not count. I'm not being callous or cold. You have to do what you think is right for the race, which is what the man
0: has done. Exactly. And in fairness, that's a pretty easy job to do most of the time. Um, Someone did make a fairly good point. It's, it's, It's... It's not entirely relevant, but it helps to understand that the role of handicappers is different in different parts of the the world. Um, You know, in the States, they have um, a number of very high-profile handicaps on the flat. And there, the job of the handicapper isn't to give everything an equal chance. Theoretically, is to give everything an equal chance. But you're looking to to, um, attract horses from different jurisdictions. So the, 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 um, the track are telling their handicapper that we want these horses to run so there is pressure to um to make that handicap uh, less fair on the run of the mill uh, runners and more attractive to the high profile horses because you want them to turn up and run um, so it is a bit of a um uh, a tough job for handicappers in different parts of the globe but thankfully the way the way it works in britain and ireland is you get a very rigid set of handicaps um, and well-known rules as to how to frame those. And once you've established the merit of high-quality horses, then things fall mostly into place. It's not easy with, with unexposed horses, obviously. Uh, it's not really easy at different levels either. But when it comes to the national, um, I think the only tricky thing is, is actually inflating the, the ratings of horses who might struggle to get into the race. Um, because you know they're proven at the track and you know that they're you know there are there are horses in there who just about qualify um on the the criteria for the national you know who who've done all the racing at two and a half miles but have been placed at three miles uh, and therefore that gets them in the race and then you get horses who you know uh have been placed in, in in regional nationals, have run well in the Beecher Chase, even won the Beecher Chase, but end up rated 142, 143, and they're in danger of not getting into the race. I think that's the that's the the tricky job for the handicappers, is, is trying to get those horses in without causing consternation.
1: There's another thing that I, I want to talk to you about, and, and then I want to, because you are the king of the handicaps, get your thoughts on who the best anti-post bet for Final Four on podcast listeners is. In the grand national so no pressure rory seeing as you caused a monster gamble at the weekend that didn't quite come yeah, on we're bro.
0: now we're not developing a record of of having horses punted into virtual favoritism from from massive prices and running like hairy dogs
1: <laughs> well to be fair for yeah. a long way i thought holly Price was going to win and he oh, t- I,
0: I i tore my virtual betting slip up at the second hurdle oh dear okay well because he- the one i mean the one, the one thing i didn't want him to do is lead And you said that, to be fair. Yeah, so when he got to the front, I wanted him to be reasonably handy, but I didn't want him having that much daylight because he only just stays the trip and he ended up going too too hard. We'll get it back. We'll get it back. back. We'll get it back in the Swinton. Don't worry, when they've forgotten all about him.
1: There you go. We'll get it back in the Swinton hurdle and um, let's see if we can move the market again with uh, yet another of Rory's selections. But you'll remember, Rory, and we talked about it at the time last year, that when interviewed about a third grand national mike laderi said now we're going to retire him and i think that his line was something along the lines of we'll go to cheltenham we'll go for the cross country again and then that's it it's done we're not going for another grand national so immediately he was killing the narrative of a third grand national um and, and essentially getting ahead of public and media pressure that may be placed on him yeah. interestingly In the midst of all of this controversy that they're talking about with the handicap weights that's been handed to the horse, Eddie O'Leary has today said that uh, all being well, he'll be kept in training next season. So complete about-turn. And uh, not only that, uh, he has also gone on to say he'll be kept in training that's what we're thinking at the moment when you see a 12 year old like Faheen winning a grade one at Leopardstown the other day it makes you have a rethink why would you retire a horse who absolutely loves racing and loves his life the minute Tiger says no we will retire him but if he continues to say yes all the time then we'll keep going
0: it's interesting, interesting he's having a rethink about that and you wonder what he says when you see a horse like Faheen winning grade ones at the age of 12 you, you have a rethink about taking your horses away from Willie Mullins, um, <laughs> 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 who they recently.
1: Uh, was, was one sport. thing they have
0: struggled to do with, with because the horses are all are, are you know they're all ready made when they're coming out of point to points essentially, mm-hmm. um, and they, they go through they come through the ranks very quickly and they're ready to run in in races like the Irish National when they're when they're seven years old, um, but you run in two or three races like that and you find that the um, the minometer starts creeping up, doesn't it? And a lot of them lose their enthusiasm or lose their speed or whatever it might be, um, relatively young. And it's interesting now that Willie used to have a reputation that his chasers didn't develop. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, now had, he's now had a couple of old timers come back to show something like their best form. And he's he's topping up Pleasant Company for the National at the age of 12 as well. He was due to run at uh, time um, before it was abandoned. So, you know, I wonder whether, um, you know, the ability to have a trainer who will, who will keep your, um, keep your grade one horses coming back at, uh, at a certain age um, might be just um, pricking them a little bit.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think Gordon's done anything wrong, to be fair.:
0: No no, no, there's no there's absolutely no sorry, no, no criticism intended of, of Gordon, But the bottom line is, if, if you're at shoot in the first place is Willie Mullins is off the roster, um, then you're cutting your nose off despite your face however good your other trainers are and they are um, and you know, and they've been brutal in, in, in cutting off other trainers who they, who they don't think have got the results for them uh, so Gordon's done a tremendous job but you know, I wonder if there's a, a, a slight regret of what might have been with, uh, um, with Willie still having, having some of them even if it, was, if it involved a, a spreading out of the horses as well uh, but I don't think Willie's not, not exactly courting um, the O'Leary horse is back. Given what he says in um, his interview at the, the Waits lunch today.
1: Yes. Do you want to just for those who haven't heard it yet? Would you like to um, paraphrase? If you'd like, uh, someone
0: uh, who interviewed him um, said, um, "I don't think um, I don't think Michael O'Leary's very happy about the way the Tiger Rule's gone." And Eddie and uh, Willie laughed and said, um, I'm, "I'm not entirely sure Michael would be happy even if Tiger Rule won his third national." <laughs> Um, but again, that that's that sounds very mean when you say it like that. But in fairness, the way Willie said it, there was there was a, there was plenty of humour in it. He wasn't a man who was begging for his job back. But at the same time, he was a man who recognises that it's Michael O'Leary's persona to get what he wants by you know making out that he's not happy with the status quo. Mm. He's not a man who says oh, I get plenty of money, sure. You know, I don't mind being shortchanged here. I don't mind if you take advantage of me a little bit. He makes sure that he lets people know that if he's, if he's not getting value for his money, he's not going to be happy about it. And, and again, the story about why the horse was removed from Willie Mullins in the first place was because of a very small rise in, in fees.
1: An, an incredibly small rise. And in fact, I, yeah. I, I think, and I am willing to be corrected on this, but I believe that they have a set fee for all trainers and that Willie just made the point that I'm champion trainer and, you know, other people are paying more and you need to do the same. The yep. boxes will be there in the morning. Willie, see, <laughs> see,
0: see you later. But, uh, yeah, and again, the, the, the idea, I want to make this point, the idea that there's no love lost, it's not nece- it's, there's not necessarily truth in that at all. You know, Willie knows exactly what he's doing and Michael O'Leary knows exactly what he's doing and I think the pair of them respect that in each other but there's just no meeting of minds on this.
1: Well, he's, um, to be fair to Mick O'Leary, and, and this has happened on Irish television, so it's it's not necessarily something that a lot of our UK listeners would be aware of, uh, because I don't think it's been reported too much, but on on RTE, um, he's been interviewed several times you know, when he's had a, a big winner, and... Uh, out of nowhere he's complimented willie mullins and said yes you know maybe we should be having a rethink about about willies but only if we can agree on the fees
0: yeah um so so i i i do think they hold each other in, in very high esteem oh, and, 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 and yeah there's there's definite there's definite affection there that's why that's why when you see willie joking about it it's not it's not a, a dig in the ribs no you know but it's it's, yeah. a, it's an amusing it's an amusing aside and it's very interesting to um Uh, to see how Willie expresses that and to see the expression on his face. And I'm sure if Michael O'Leary was listening to it, he wouldn't be shaking his fist and growling. He'd be smiling to himself as well.
1: I think the other thing to mention in all of this as well is that at the Pat Smullen auction, um, where he's raising much needed funds for cancer services in Ireland on Irish Champions Day, one of the bids that were up for auction was a, a, a personalized tour of Willie Mullins stable with I believe dinner in the Lord Bagnall afterwards and uh, the highest bidder and the man who kept on bidding to ensure he got it was Eddie O'Leary yeah. and uh, Eddie brought Gordon along with him and the the boys posed for a photograph Patrick Mullins Willie Mullins Gordon Eddie and uh, another member of the crew all posed for a photograph saying that a great day down down in col Sutton. Uh, so, like, the, the narrative that there's this massive falling out between the two and they hate each other, nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Uh, but I also think that, that to continue business, this... Business is business. Business is business. Friendship is friendship. Is friendship. And, and, hey, nobody knows yeah. that better than Michael Leary. And there's a strong difference between friendship and business. Um, I mean... That, that I, I've learned that over the years. There's a very, very strong difference between what happens in business and what happens in friendship. Um, I'm not entirely sure why the Tiger Roll thing is still being talked about. I tweeted earlier on um uh, we had, what, nearly 800 votes on this. Will Tiger Roll bid for Grand National history or will connections genuinely not risk him in the race, was the tweet. To Final Furlong Podcast listeners, 25% of you said he won't run. 75% of you said he will be running. So Rory Delarghi, is Tiger Roll going to run in the Grand National?
0: all being well yeah I mean, you asked me this before and i wanted to qualify it by saying you know we're taking for granted that everything goes well between now and the national he's got to run on the Boyne hurdle he's got to uh finish the cross country or he's not qualified for the national now that's a very
1: important point to make by the way uh he has to finish a race over over obstacles to qualify as in jumps so the cross country is included in that in order to qualify for the grand national which some listeners and i'm not being in any way patronizing and i hope that it's not coming across that way uh you might think that the dual winner automatically qualifies but no you have to run over fences which includes the cross country uh, as long as you finish that race you then qualify for the grand national
0: yeah there was i mean i think about when this came in i i wonder if it um was precipitated by the prospect of vic's canvas running on the race as a 14 year old when he'd not been seen since the previous year's national
1: that's a good he didn't shift. he
0: didn't run in the end. Um, but it was you know the connections had, had said um you know the preparation hasn't gone quite as we wanted we'll be able to get on there but he won't have won't be able to get a prep run and i think that um worried a few people that uh Uh, probably BHA HQ, possibly uh, at Jockey Club race courses. Um, And he thought, well, hold on a second. You could have a horse who's perfectly well qualified for the race, but who hasn't run in two years turning up. Um, And then, you know, if anything happens there, people will say, why were you letting a horse who hadn't even run for a year and competing in a race like the national? It's all right. Well, we need to have a rule that says they've got to have a run um just to essentially prove their well-being mm. um before they can uh, before they can run in the race so you know there is a the worrying possibility you know we we almost had this a few years ago at the Cheltenham festival that the cross country was um was abandoned uh, we had the cross country put back didn't we a couple of days that's right a few years ago
1: that's right back in the day
0: um because parts of the, parts of the track were frozen on the on the tuesday so um you know who knows what, weather we're going to get there, who knows, we, you know, we may lose a day at the festival. Um, and if we get to that stage and um, Tiger Rolls not had to run over fences, then they're going to, they're going to find a way of, um, of shoehorning one in, um, in, you know, in March before he can run. So it's always dangerous say I definitely run, um, because it's not just a case of intent, is it? Um, opportunity has to be there as well.
1: Fixed Canvas, by the way, was uh, owned by Gary O'Brien, who yes. was on the old ATR uh, back in the good old days of Irish racing and um, didn't even flinch when he won the, the Monster National in Cork. It was just ice cool. I'd have lost my mind. I'd have thrown the mic away, ran out, hugged the horse, just like not even cared, just like be celebrating left, right and centre. Ice cool. And, and of
0: course, he, he ran an absolutely huge uh, race, uh, to be placed behind rule the world
1: and he was commentating for five live and he w- he remained ice cool <laughs> in the biggest race of them all just uh yeah absolute legend uh gentleman as well it has to be said um right i think we're done with with the tiger roll conversation i i think he runs uh i, I, think, I think what you really
0: want is a grand national winner don't you? you yes so we've come to that segment of the podcast i know what you want You'd like an exacta, wouldn't you? Oh, I'd love the
1: exact. Give me the exacta, <laughs> the trifecta, and uh, the Barry Faulkner box exacta and uh, combination TriCast as well, please. So, weights are announced. I know that you were, it, it is, by the way, worth mentioning. Jess was just saying to me off air before we, we recorded that Cadium uh, is very high in the weights, highly unlikely to run, according to Willie Mullins, just in case you haven't heard that. And all be it the yeah. fact that Native River is being talked about and, indeed, Kate and Jess and I spoke about him, his owners think very, very differently to Joe Tizard, who is in favour of running. So we shall see.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one because um, uh, I saw my uh, my editor um, a tweet earlier on that um, someone said Native River was an unlikely runner in the National because the, the brooms have, have said in the past that, you know, they... <laughs> it would worry them to run him in the race um, and uh, Leo Powell uh, tweeted that he thought the he was very likely to run and that suggests that um, he's not basing that simply on what Joe Tissard said mm. uh, but I could be wrong um, so you know he's certainly got a very very tempting win he's a horse you'd love to see in the national wouldn't it Isn't oh,
1: a- and particularly after what he did on Saturday you'd love to see him and and to be fair it was Kate and Jace and, and Jess were making that point you would love to see him uh, tackle the national fences can I just put it to you and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here Rory uh-huh. we, we spoke about it very briefly in the production <laughs> meeting beforehand as well but I'm going to ask you because Boise to be fair to him put it directly to Eddie O'Leary as well but if you've got the leading owner, champion owner in Ireland, champion owner at the Cheltenham Festival in 2018, and the dual Grand National winning owner, if, you're, if you've got him, and then if you've also got uh, the barcodes expressing concern about running in the Grand National due to the weight that the horse is going to carry, particularly with Tiger Roll when he's only carrying five pounds extra, and five pounds is nothing realistically in in the grand scheme of things it's not kevin was making this point on, on sky sports racing today that you know the five points it makes very very little difference in the, in the big scheme of things does it not send out the wrong message when you've got leading owners and leading voices of racing saying such things about the grand national
0: yeah. It, first of all, it very much depends on the context. Um, and you need to contextualize comments like that. Um, if you suggest that you you have no qualms whatsoever about running a horse with 11 stone 6 in the Grand National, but you would suddenly consider it to be unsafe with 11 stone 10, um, then you need to have a word with yourself. You really do. Um, obviously, you know, if, if we take this to extremes, if you said the horse has got to carry fifteen stone round the Grand National for four and a half miles, you would say, well, that's that's asking too much. So there clearly comes a point where a weight becomes a concern. But historically, horses have been asked to carry um, twelve stone seven um, over the national fences until uh, certainly um, the post Second World War um, and through the seventies. Um, 12 stone was part of the course red run um, carried 12 stone are very close to it um, for his last four grand nationals and you know that wasn't deemed to be too much in, in fairness I've always been in favour of having the championship races uh, run with, with as little weight as possible because you know if you, if you argue that a horse carrying 12 stone um, giving two stone away and a handicap to a lesser horse has got no chance because of the weight they're carrying, then you're admitting that the weight is, is an issue in terms of your ability to win or or the performance you can put up um, so uh, I've always been in favour of uh, the championship races, the gold caps of this world being run at 11 stone 10 and I'd happily have them run at 11 stone 7 or 11 stone if we get there um, because the, the less attritional they are, the better so that's, that's obviously it an issue but it doesn't suddenly become a welfare issue it's a performance issue and it's a longevity issue it's not a welfare issue okay. um, and, and you know owners who know the game as well as, as um, uh, Michael and Eddie O'Leary should know better than to suggest that's a welfare issue because that's not really what they believe and indeed when Eddie was asked this by Sean Boyce, he backed off it fairly quickly.
1: He did, to be fair. Because
0: he basically said, well, you know, are you suggesting that people are running their horses in the Grand National knowing they, th- they think it's a welfare concern? And he said, no, every single horse who lines up the entry, there will be no concerns for their welfare at all. They wouldn't be running otherwise. And that's that's the point. Um, we we do have to face the fact that there, there will be a rate of attrition in horse racing, and there will be a higher rate of attrition in jumps racing than there will be in flat racing. Um, but there's also a rate of attrition for horses standing in fields. Yeah. Um, and all horses die eventually and we do have to deal with the fact that you know we, we, we're not very good at dealing with our own mortality uh, and we tend to project that onto onto animals as well and, and we need to we need to be realistic and sensible about about um, what we deem to be acceptable and the uh, industry has done a hell of a lot uh, in recent years to make the grand national, Um, as safe as possible. Obviously, I think, uh, you know, the... the I don't think that's the question you should ask, how can we make it as safe as possible? You have to say, how can we make it as safe as possible within certain parameters? Because obviously the way to make it as safe as possible is to take all the fences away, reduce the, two, the distance from four miles to furlongs oh. to five furlongs, oh, and have 10 runners in it, and then rename it the uh, king Stand Stakes oh, and running an it asset. It. You know, when the idea is not to make it as safe as possible, it's to reduce unnecessary risk. Yeah. Exactly. While also maintaining um, the nature of the sport, um, and that's that's a constant challenge, because you cannot simply accept that what was ex- you know what was fine a hundred years ago is still fine. I think racing would always say it was it was fine, you know, back in the good old days when we first had this race, uh, we we had no issues with this, um, and and things do change our attitudes to what constitutes. Um, acceptable risk for horse and rider are very different to what they were uh, between the wars, specifically because it was between the wars. And people really did take their lives in their own hands and, and they expected the horses to do the same. Um, and we live in a different era now and we need to we need to think of that differently. But we also need to think about what the context is and maintain the nature of the race. And the industry have done a good job, people will complain um, who've been around for a long time that the fences are hurdles these days, it's nowhere near the race it was. But it, maintain, it still um, has managed to maintain its position as as a spectacular race to watch, while becoming an awful lot safer. Um, and those safety measures keep kicking in every year, just to you know to to, to deal with outlying issues. So you know I've I've got no uh, massive concern with the Grand National as that as a welfare issue at the moment but I think it's it's a conversation you keep having to have and you don't need to have false arguments and the argument that has been put forward that, that um you know it would be unsafe for tiger rule to carry a big weight um I, I don't think there's ever any any real belief in that but in the case of the brooms who who are like oh we we wouldn't we you know we wouldn't feel like risking native river in the race um, yeah you have, you have to accept the Grand national is on paper still slightly more dangerous than the gold cup because you've got a much bigger field it's it's you know there are more fences and it's over a longer trip so inherently it is slightly less safe um, and it's up to individual owners what they want to do you know if owners feel um, an emotional attachment to their horse and they and they've got it's never really been an issue for them running on a park course but the whole transition to the Grand National um, is difficult for them mentally then they shouldn't be put on put under any pressure to run the horse even if their concerns are maybe um, blown up out of proportion you know it has to be an owner's responsibility and an owner's decision whether, whether or not to run a horse uh, and we shouldn't be trying to uh yeah, we shouldn't be trying to railroad any horse into running in the race because we think that's where it should be running. Um, you know, if the owners make a call saying, "I I feel happier not running on the Grand National," then that's absolutely fine. If they make public announcements that the Grand National is uh, is a is a terrible race, um, um there's no concern for that for the welfare of the horses. Then you have to deal with that. But I don't think for a second the brooms are doing that. Um, and of course, the way this is reported as well is very is very important. Um, People don't tend to read context, um, but if we're involved in racing and we're reporting what people say, we should make sure that what we say is reflective of the actual content of people's conversations rather than look for headlines that get people reading.
1: Exactly, and also in the Twitter generation where our listeners are far more intelligent to fall for that trap. (laughs) <laughs> but there will be those outside of racing who may very well see a headline like that and go, oh, so they have a concern. They're a leading owner and they have a concern. They wouldn't enter the horse in the race if they weren't genuinely considering it. And they wouldn't enter the horse in the race if they had a welfare concern. There is no welfare concern. It's as simple as that. Uh, right. You've had a time to look at the weights. You were already assembling your shortlist I will tell you right now, Roy argue that you are banned from tipping Maldini.
0: <laughs> uh, can I can I briefly touch on Maldini though? Go on, because obviously we've been talking about Maldini for an age. You know, it's it's only a matter of time before he uh, before they land the gamble. Oh. Uh, Pat Kelly winners in the last eighteen months.
1: I'm going to look this up now as you're speaking. No. Uh, have, have a guess oh 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 sorry you want me to actually guess it i'll know. tell you oh, what i close the
0: screen pat kelly winners over the last 18 months versus alan berry winners over the last 18 months
1: Jeez, there's a question um, <laughs> all right who's well, got the better strike rate i feel like this is a trick question i'm gonna say that pat kelly has had it, how many months 18 months okay i genuinely the laptop screen is closed i have no idea i've, I've folded it down
0: Seven. Well, and I can you that Alan Berry's three winners.
1: I'm going to go with seven. Uh,
0: seven, you think? The answer is one. From 120... 120-something. 120 I don't have the figure right in front of me, but 120-odd over the last 18 months. One winner for the, the Kelly yard. And the one thing we've always said about Pat Kelly, you've only got to look at his strike rate to know that you don't have to ask any questions. If Pat turns up with one at the Cheltenham Festival, you just back it. Uh, and although his, his um Whoa. the way his horses have run at Cheltenham, you know, is still is still decent. Um, but disappointment in the Gold Cup last year, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. No one knows what the issue can be because you can't talk to Pat Kelly. Um, but it is certainly disappointing for a yard that it's always been focused on on um, uh, quality rather than quantity, of course.
1: Well, um, excuse my French, but fuck me. Uh, I'm also just looking here at Pat Kelly's last four runners. Now, one of them admittedly was 100 to one shot and another was 20. But, oh dear. Captain Jimmy was beaten 42 lengths. I'm not even going to pronounce the uh, Irish one. Uh, What's the point? Was beaten 54 lengths. (laughs) Presenting Percy was beaten four and three-quarter lengths and presenting Dylan was beaten 59 lengths. Uh,
0: presenting Percy is his only his only um, entry at Cheltenham. And unlike last year, he's not been entered in the, in the stairs hurdle. So there's only one Kelly entry at Cheltenham and that is, um, that's presenting Percy in the Gold Cup. And there's only one... Cali entry beyond that and that's Maldini in the National
1: yeah I'm just looking at that myself
0: so you know I kind of half think this is this is the perfect smokescreen for the greatest double of all time. <laughs> um, but in fairness uh, you have to keep your hands in your pocket at the moment with, with results like those.
1: you are not allowed to tip Maldini absolutely not
0: right well let me put you out of your misery then
1: you don't fancy him
0: well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tip him.
1: Good man. Okay. So are we looking at a, a short list of just one I'm, or is there two? I'm gonna put I'm gonna put two up for you. Okay.
0: One of them is a long way down the weights, um, but ridiculously well handicapped. Um, and I'm hoping his price holds up, but he's there's a bit of blue about him. He used twenty five to one in two places, and that is and and in fairness, if you listen to me talk about the Grand National Toll this year, you'll be aware that I'm very sweet in the chances of Libroy. Who won the National Hunt Chase uh-huh. at Cheltenham last year? Um, so really, he has a graded Cheltenham Festival uh, novice winner last season. Um, who is, you know, when you consider that um, the Delta work he was beaten in the novice Chase at Cheltenham last year is is top weight with eleven ten, um, LeBroy with nine stone thirteen, um, who won the National Hunt Chase. Now there was an awful lot of negative publicity after the National Hunt Chase, and not an awful lot of people trying to put a pin a figure on the race but whatever happened in that contest um lebroy would have gone very close to winning it it's not like they all fell in front of him and he's sort of staggered home in front two horses have seen that race out thoroughly and have come a long way clear of a bunch of tired horses in behind uh lebroy being the one who won it um he's had two runs this season with his yard struggling for form um, he shaped tremendously well in the Beecher Chase in December jumped really well um, was held up, jumped himself into contention, looked a big threat with two fences to jump and then got tired um, if you didn't know him you'd say maybe he didn't stay I'd say he got tired because he needed the run or just because the horses uh, from Ben Pauline Shard were just not seeing the races out at the time because you know they were, they were essentially at 85% fitness or whatever, whatever figure you want to put on it because of uh, this low-grade infection they had, or the, or the, the fact that they had a big batch of hay that was substandard. standard so they weren't getting the nutrients they needed, and they weren't a hundred percent. He then ran in the classic chase at Warwick, and again he shipped really well. They had a full start there, and he was ridden by a a, a claiming amateur. Uh, when they jumped off the second time from the standing start, he got caught at the back of the field when he would have he would have raced prominently. Um, he was trying to jump off reasonably prominently in the first place. He then got got um, buffeted around towards the rear of the field. And the thing about Warwick, it's always on the turn. If you don't get in a good position at Warwick on the chase course, very hard to find a place to make ground. And he never could before staying on late in the day to pass most of the field. Uh, I thought that was a, um, a really encouraging run. As a result, he's dropped in the handicap for those two runs. Mm-hmm. But everything about them suggests he's at least as good as ever. Uh, his jumping was impressive, particularly at the entry. Uh, and ironically he's now so well handicapped he might not get in the race
1: I was just looking at that Uh he's he's currently number 71 on the list
0: is he 71 Um, yeah I mean number 72 got in the race last year Um, so he's on the cusp Um, and I hope that he just gets in of course if he's he's able to win a race between now and then A good for his confidence B um, you're although you can't go up in the weights you can get preference um from the mark you're on based on on your your adjusted mark so he's on 145 is his rating um and if his handicap mark goes up between now and then then he will be the horse rated 145 most likely to get in the race if that makes sense Mm. it's not it's not random um the horse with the highest rating who falls on the on the lowest rating that gets in, uh, will be the horse that gets in the race. So I hope he sneaks in the bottom. If he doesn't, say Levy. Um, you, you haven't done your money. You get your money back as a ballot out horse. Um, yes. But I hope he makes the race.
1: Important to highlight that, that bookmakers really should be refunding you on horses who get balloted out. And if they don't, please let us know. Uh, do you think it's significant that Jamie Codd came over to ride him in the Beecher? As in, do you think that he will be on board him again uh, come Grand National? Oh, I don't,
0: obviously he rode he rode him at Cheltenham last year yeah to win there yeah um, and obviously uh, he, he gives the impression he'd like to get the ride again um, what's Jimmy's bottom weight oh god um... he doesn't you know he doesn't he doesn't have to do light weights um, but he's not heavy but obviously he'd be getting in, you know. He'd be getting in. His, hopefully, with, with, with ten stone, because his, his lowest be, he's riding going weight is Tiger Rule, isn't really.
1: His lowest, lowest riding weight in the last twelve months was eleven stone.
0: Yeah, so I'd, I'd imagine, given that he doesn't have to ride lighter than that, that he wouldn't be riding a ten stone. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, it could, the, you know, ten stone's very light. Could also be the case
1: that Gordon Elliott's sending an army over, and it may very well be that he'll be attached to a a Gordon Elliott horse instead. Now I wouldn't
0: worry I wouldn't worry too much about that. Is your Um,
1: second pick uh and and here's the question, which of these two is your preferential is your preferential horse, and is your second pick a shorter price or a bigger price?
0: My second my second pick is a bigger price. Um I made both of them a fair degree shorter, I have to say. Um, my second pick is a horse who, who pulled out on the race last year, but had excuses, um, is a year older. It's quite a young horse who ran the race last year. A year older now, at least as good. Has a very interesting campaign too. Ramsey's the Tiger. <gasps>
1: oh, Rory!
0: Love yes! A bit of Ramses. Um, He's obviously um, won a couple of novice hurdles this season, and he was disappointing over fences at Cheltenham on his penultimate start, but he had a wind operation after that. You could almost see something go wrong with him. traveling very strongly into the race, and just angled out. Uh, Tom's good on the two to jump, and, and something seemed to seemed to go straight away. But he had the wind operation. He ran in a grade two hurdle at Doncaster, up uh, the best performance of his life, certainly over hurdles, and very close to the best he's been um, achieving over fences as well, winning by 17 lengths, despite the fact that he's gone off too hard in front. Now, when he ran on the national last year, he he was settled sort of mid to rear, um, and as you know, because of the the incident of the first fence, they had to bypass that on the second circuit, made it very difficult for horses to to um, again. Uh, make grind at that juncture of the of the course where normally it's a good place to to start making grind. He he um, he was left poorly placed on grind that was quick enough for him anyway. And then his reins broke um, at the second canal turn. Um, so fair play to David and who didn't pull him up straight away but continued um, but found that he, he wasn't able to um, to ride him effectively and, and ended up pulling him up um, just after the last I think. Uh, He's a lot better than that suggests. He'd be a lot happier on softer ground. Um, but I think this, this the campaign he's had this season, being able to run on novice hurdles, is very good because um, it gives him a little bit more mileage and it gives him a bit of confidence as well, I think. you know, People occasionally question whether horses really um, can have confidence because we view it as a, as a human thing. But it, it definitely is. Horses have got big personalities for way, right, you know. Yeah. Whatever. If you work with horses, you you know when they're up, when they're down, and, yeah. you know some of them are, are you know have, have better personalities than others, and some of them there's not much there really. Um, but people who work with horses all their lives will always tell you that you you know you, especially with the with the better horses, you know you're almost communicating on the on a uh, on their level, and winning races is definitely beneficial to their. Um, to their ego or their confidence or their psyche, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's done on the world of goods. He may run at Haydock on Saturday in the um, the national trial. I sincerely uh, hope which not. he was he was second in last year. I'd rather he missed that, to mm. be perfectly yeah. honest, because I would I would um, definitely be backing him for the Albert Bartlett at the Cheltenham Festival. At, uh, Come on, Rory. Um, he's massively overpriced for that as well. When you consider, when you consider his form over hurdles, and when you consider the nature of the of the the Albert Bartlett itself, um, how how tough it is for young horses, um, and you'll see that a remarkable number of winners of the Albert Bartlett have been second season hurdlers. Yeah. Um, with him, he'd be well, he'd be in his fourth season, wouldn't he? Um, but he's not an old horse. Um, he's he's he only stays very well. He jumps very well, um, and. You know, he will keep galloping when he gets tired, as he showed at Doncaster. You know, the, the pace they went that day, he really should have fallen in a hole. And he was joined by a horse that appeared to be going twice as well as him between the last two hurdles. Um, but Tom Skew uh, wisely steered him towards the other horse and eyeballed him. Um, and uh, then his horse picked up again, and the other weakened on the run. And um, essentially, champion well didn't really say the three miles, and, and uh, Ramses does. Um, the margin of victory may be a little bit flattering but the fact that he actually picked up again at the end of that really strongly run three miles I thought was really um, likeable um, and he's you know he's a 150 horse over hurdles he's 150 plus over fences and I think the way he's gone through this season they've managed to to build in a bit more improvement into him uh, and he goes into the national again with a um, with a decent what would he have he's 10 5
1: Ten stone five, that's right. Yeah. You know,
0: the archetypal nice racing weight. As uh, as everyone would say, about um, about half the field in there. But I'd be very, very happy with that. His experience last year was stand him in good stead, I think. And forty to one is much too big a price.
1: Yeah, and he, he is available at forty to one on the Bedfair Sportsbook, and you could post up on the exchange and try and get more. Um like I'm delighted to hear you say about the potato race because when we were reviewing Doncaster, I put him up for that, saying that I I actually think this is I'm not the biggest fan of getting stuck into the potato race, but I, I really loved him from the perspective of his profile, and um, I can't quite uh, Jane Mangan may have been on, and anyway wouldn't have it like no way doesn't doesn't have the class and and would be outpaced if it wasn't jane i apologize um but the team weren't agreeing with me i think kieran o'connor was on the show as well they 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 were very much against what i was saying uh and, and that was fine I, re- I respected that it's a game of opinions but your point about second season chasers and he's about a fifth season chaser like ninofir kalange was like an exposed horse but was battle-hardened and tough and that's what you need I know every now and again a Penn Hill will emerge on the scene or a Manila Indo will emerge yeah, on the yeah and you scene. Got a, different,
0: a different kind of race then. it's interesting you mentioned Nenna Farquhar he was obviously a second season um, hurdler, mm. but he'd won over fences before been, um, there have not been there have been maybe a dozen horses with previous chasing experience you know more than one horses who've won a couple of races over fences uh, before being switched to hurdles or switched back to hurdles and I reckon five of those have won Mm. Which is remarkable, really, isn't it? When you yes. consider, you know, the race hasn't been going hasn't been going that long. There's very few horses um, who run on it every year who've got uh, chase form. And again, if you could if you could narrow it down by horses with experience in to points, or over fences, or or ideally both, um, then you've got some um, you've got a horse with a decent chance. It's it's just like it's unlike other novice hurdles.
1: It's a war of attrition.
0: It is, yeah. I mean, uh, a third. I mean, it, it's not a. There's plenty of big-priced horses in every year, but it's not a race that's full of no-hopers in terms of ability. Lots of horses, the majority of horses that go into that are you know, are 125 plus, at the very least, um, and yet um, a, a big bunch of them every year pull up. Literally, over 30% of horses who run in the Albert Bartlett have pulled up, or failed to finish anyway. Um, and most of the, the majority of those are pulled up and that includes a lot of highly rated horses horses yep. horses are close to top rated in the race because they just you know they've been they've been looking good um winning races over two and a half miles that are slowly run and they you know maybe they've, they've um, got the pedigree for three miles or maybe the, you know they've just looked in a better class to the horses they've been beaten and you're other than this thing this this is, this is a, a lesser race than the Ballymore um it's the weaker, the weakest hurdle we can run him in and we think he's really good horses like that get stuffed all the time but they end up being really good but they end up getting stuffed in the in the arm of bartley because it is such a culture shock um, to young novice hurdlers it's who, just, who wouldn't not be used to, be, to going all out for three miles at a track at children
1: yeah it, it's a race that can come just that little bit too soon in in a horse's career and he may not win but he's massively overpriced uh like he's he's, in, he's embarrassingly overpriced I think and and for that reason the fact that that you're with me on this just makes me feel that little bit better worth remembering as well by the way that Manila Indo while impressive was a 50 to one shot uh I'm actually just going back through it like Alaho was beaten in the race he's come out and looks a nice prospect um
0: well, listen if you're going to start if you're going to start that you, you look at Native River and um uh, Paisley Park they were beaten almost identical. They are beaten 50, like 52 and 52 and a half length. They were beaten in this race. And they've won um, a gold cup and a, and a stairs hurdle.
1: Chris's Dream?
0: Uh, well, Chris's Dream's one won, won uh, grade two, hasn't he, over, yeah. over fences. Um, but you've got some... Santini. You've got a Ryan, Santini, of course. Um, you've had uh, um, a Ryanair winner in there. You've had... Uh, I counted last year. There were a dozen um, future festival winners who'd been, you know, lapped in the album. Not just horses who finished second or third or, or, or run in the race, but horses who'd been well beaten. Um, and uh, was Thistlecrack? No, Thistlecrack didn't run. in West Approach did.
1: Yes. Um, the, the lesser you, brother and... on,
0: um, since. brother. Um, but yeah, lots, lots of them. And it will continue to throw up horses like that. I think there'll be a few races at the festival like that. uh, More and more, the way that the the industry is going, I think the mares novice hurdle uh, is the type of race to throw up. I mean, obviously, it's it's already thrown out the champion hurdle favourite from the from a a filly who finished ninth last year. Um, But the nature of that race, where these these um, fillies and mares are bred to do really well and are promising times, but are turning up at Cheltenham um, as green as grass. Mm -hmm. Uh, not able to do themselves justice, and then they'll go on and, and prove themselves. Um, historically, the, the Supreme's not that kind of race. Um, a lot of horses around the Supreme have got plenty of experience um, on the flat historically, and they don't always go on if they're not good enough to get involved. Um, Ballymore is a little better, but yeah, for some reason, r- races like the Albert Bartlett, which I don't know, people are drawn to those races if their horses are a bit raw. You know, if you think he's oh, not quite ready. He's not ready for the for the Ballymore but we'll run them in the in the easier race and it's not
1: an easier race at all it's not it's it's a war of attrition and actually just taking a little step back to the year 2015 um T for two would go on to make history as being the horse that Lizzie Kelly would partner to become the first female jockey to win a grade one in the UK pulled up definitely red pulled up black lion
0: Pulled up. Black Lion, of course, you have an Winner Elegant Escape was was stuffed in the race as well before winning a yeah. uh, a Welsh National and finishing second in that. Uh, second. In then as he talked as cheap, he won the um, who won the Bethune Six Five Gold Cup last year. It was well beaten in the, the, the you know uh, the previous season. And it's just yeah, you go, you go back through it, and there are uh, Balco de Flo was the one I was mentioning. He went on and won the uh, won the Ryanair um, and other other decent races. Um, before the, losing a sport the stats true.
1: don't lie Rory the stats are on our side
0: <laughs> so anyway there you go and that's you know that's, I, I've made that point about about the Albert part but I, I would say that if you're if you're looking to to dig into um, the sport a bit more um, there are a few races the bumper again is becoming a really interesting one for looking at horses who, who finished down the field and the bumper who are not quite ready for it um, and there'll be other races at the festival where um, you know just bear in mind Um, uh, how inexperienced horses are going to Cheltenham and how much they might improve on the back of it. And it's interesting that we tend to assume that a horse who goes somewhere like Cheltenham, immature physically and mentally, it might blow their mind, and they'll never be the same again. And taking the, people will say, "Oh, I want to miss Cheltenham with this because it finishes horses." And actually, you look at that—that that was probably true with a lot of horses when when I was watching racing in the in the uh, you know the early eighties through the nineties. Uh, I think it's less and less true now, because again, you don't Cheltenham doesn't turn into a bog, the yeah. way it did. Wow! Well, um, not always. And horses are not are not flogged. To finish sixth when they should finish tenth or twelfth. So, as a rule, horses get a much more positive experience at Cheltenham than they would have done, um, you know, back in the, in the bad old days. Um, you know, when, when conditions tended to be worse and when um, uh, when the horses were ridden very much for the day rather than half an hour in the future. Um, and it's no longer true that that taking a horse to Cheltenham is shortening its career. It's often beneficial.
1: Very much so. So with this in mind, would you be prepared to, and look, we, we're going to be doing the podcast on Thursday anyway, so we can talk more about it then, but I very much hope that he skips Haydock if he does, would you be backing him for the potato race as well? The Albert Bartlett?
0: Yes. At current prices, I would. Yeah. And I've, uh, I've gone on record saying that um, before and I as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in another the price.
1: This is weird. Rory Delargue and I agreeing on something yes. again. Uh Rams Ramsdetz- yeah, I'm <laughs> about that, to be honest. Ramsdet- <laughs> I, I think you should be. the Ramsdetz- Saleh is currently 25 to 1 for the potato race. Um, on attheraces.com.
0: And, and all the 33s, you know.
1: And you can get... Four yeah, and, uh,
0: Lydia Hislop agrees as well. She would, she was talking about it in there and shouting them. Seriously? Um, yeah. The week after, um, we were talking about that thing saying exactly the same things about how he was. Dear me! Uh, how he slipped onto the radar after that. It was a really good performance, and no one, no one
1: picked up on it. Nobody. And and you go on to the at the races site, watch it back, watch that Doncaster race back, and then listen to the interview with Tom Scudamore afterwards, and him talking about how he gains ground over his hurdles, and he's improved from last season, and that it's all systems go for the Albert Bartlett and yeah, the we, big, just, it's, we just we
0: just need to convince Tom not to kick on. On down the hill again.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. That would be. Don't yeah. kick on, Tom. That would not be. Actually, David, can you ride David Noonan? Would you mind taking over? Well, David.
0: David. David is, is. Um. You know. He. He's on. Um. This horse fairly regularly. He rode in the national last year. So. Yeah. I don't know what the plan is for if he goes for the Albert Park, but I'd imagine if he went to the national, that um, that David Noonan might have the ride again.
1: Yeah, I'd like to think so.
0: Um, not 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 having a not having a go at Tom, but um, there is there <clears> is that <throat> It is that tendency to kick on down the hill, which which um, uh, was was drummed into Peter Scudamore as a young man that that just doesn't win races at a
1: Well, I'll say this: it paid off on Moon Racer in the bumper, and it paid off on on Tempor two twice. So Tom Scudamore can do no Shit. wrong in my uh, mind, and with that, he point, held on to on Tempor two. Yes, he did just just yeah, that's the point but uh what a, what a class horse um shame they're both retired uh so with that little bit of after timing done uh, we essentially have a 25 to one shot for the grand national and we have a 40 to one shot for the grand national as well if you post up in the bet exchange i'm sure you'll do better uh those horses are Lebroy, for ben
0: uh, by the way are you concerned about the form of the yard them. Yes, I mean, I, you have to, and I'm still concerned about the form of the artist. It's, um, I don't know when I last had this conversation. Um, th- there's a little bit of a myth that Ben had a bump in November, be- well-publicized, um, consignment of hay that was, that was substandard and the horses um, were not wanting to form, and, and he essentially shut up shop for a while. Uh, and then he had a couple of winners within a few days in December. And the general consensus was, there you go, he's back. He hasn't won a winner since, I don't think. No. Uh, I say that. I said, well, there hasn't been many jump racing, jump races in the last week, so I did look at this uh, before last weekend and said, you know, a few running well, but Global Citizen won at Kempton um, mm-hmm. in a Grade Two as well, so you can't really knock that. And then there's, there's been, um, there's pretty much been nothing since that. So still concerned about the form of the yard. I just, we've seen this before with Rebecca Curtis. She had exactly the same problem two or three seasons ago. Um, That's the nutrient content of the hay she's feeding the horses was wrong. And she then, she then got different hay and everything was going to be okay. But it doesn't work straight away. You, you mess around with the horses, um, feed through the season it just it seems to take a long time to sort all the little issues out whatever they may be um and it's it's often into the spring before the haunches really bloom again so that may be the case and i'm hoping uh, i i take comfort from the words of donald trump who says that um uh these these viruses and stuff they usually go away when the weather gets warm in april (laughs) so we're not to worry about coronavirus apparently because that will go in april uh, and I'm hoping it's the same with the, the form of Ben Pauling's uh, table as well, but a little bit of sunshine cures everything.
1: Total exoneration. <laughs> did, you, did you hear him the other day, actually? He was doing a, he went on a rant uh, on, on a press conference at the White House and uh, uh, he was talking about how badly treated he was and he goes, you know, what they did to me was, was shocking. And when I think about it, I think of, I think of Abe Lincoln. God, I wish he was here. <laughs> it's like, what the? What are you talking about? Get back to your Sudafed, man. Get back to your Sudafed addiction. Oh God Almighty, tonight that man's insane. Um, yeah, so that's fine. The warm weather's going to come along, and we won't have to worry about the coronavirus. Brilliant. So a forty to one shot for the Grand National in Rams de Ramsdale for David Pipe. Uh, we're also putting him up for the Potato Race, the Albert Bartlett, and twenty five to one Lebroy for the Grand National. Uh, I really like Boris Saint who is slightly bigger than 12s I think slightly bigger than 12s uh, the Irish Grand National angle and just how good he was on New Year's Eve for Rachel Blackmore as well uh, I think Willie Mullins seems happy with him and uh, yeah I'm, I'm very interested in him but obviously obviously encouraging
0: that, that Willie describes him as as progressive as well
1: yeah
0: and yeah. he still thinks there's more to come from, from Boris Saint but Yep.
1: I have to say, I loved what he did in the Irish Grand National last year. Uh, Rory, it's been a pleasure to do a final Forlan podcast Grand National special, despite the fact that neither of us were on the Aintree gravy train today. But that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Uh, enjoy the conversation, my friend, and I'll chat to you again on Thursday. Marvellous stuff. Hopefully, we'll be moving markets again on Thursday. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. The main show is available for you now. It's Kate Tracy, Jess Stafford, and myself break down the weekend's racing with a view to Cheltenham and, indeed, Aintree. Uh, we talk about the saving of Kempton. We talk about the uh, p- possible change of the Dublin Racing Festival to a Friday. Not going to happen. And why has that even been been mentioned? And uh, plenty of other conversations along the way as well and one or two rants so listen to that now it's available for you on all podcast apps and of course at the races as well and don't forget that ascot on saturday we're very much looking forward to seeing surname back in action we may see sporting john but more importantly our Cheltenham preview with paul nichols obe declan ricks from attheraces.com whose latest article is a must read on ator.com and jess stafford and myself as well. Very much looking forward to hopefully seeing you there. Uh, if not, you can watch it on At The Races, uh, Ascot, and Betfair's social media channels. And it will be available as a final Furlong podcast special on Sunday night as well. So looking forward to that. It's the Cheltenham preview. And we can't wait for it. Uh, from Roy Delargy, Good night. And from me, MS Kennedy. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. God bless.
0: Get 2% commission on your winnings on the Betfair exchange with MyBetfair Rewards. Opt in now to start saving. MyBetfair Rewards allows customers to choose their commission rate and rewards. 2% commission via basic package, which can be altered at any time. T's and C's apply.
1: Have you downloaded the free App The Races app yet? With easy to use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.